Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Uh, Today we are continuing our Character Count series in the book of James. Uh, More specifically, we're taking time to talk about... uh, the confidence we have, where we get our confidence from. Is it, is it confidence that's uh, uh, found uh, in God, or is it a confidence with, um, uh, that's found in our resources, the stuff that we have? Um, and these are two very different types of confidence with two incredibly different outcomes. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, Go ahead and open it. We will get started today in James chapter 4, starting at 13. It says this. It says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own plans, and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Have you ever made plans only to break them? Or, or, or maybe, uh, ha- have you ever had plans broken for you? Um, I, I remember a few years back, um, my father-in-law uh, decided to um, get uh, uh, my wife and I, Rachel, um, a spa treatment up north in Blue Mountain. And uh, we were really excited about it because they've got all these cool pools and, and it's just, it's really chill there and it's silent and you just get to relax for the day. And we tried a few dates but it didn't pan out. It didn't end up working. And then we found a date that actually worked for us. And then my wife got pregnant. And so, hey, I'm, I'm, my wife got pregnant. And we couldn't go to the spa, okay? What a blessing in disguise, right? Um, and so we were sure that we'd be able to go that day. But then we found out we were pregnant and, and, and we couldn't go. Finally, after her, her pregnancy, and we had our beautiful boy named Noah, we, we were able to go to the spa. We found a day that worked for us, and so we were really excited. And we get there, and suddenly the, the person meets us, and you know we, we put on these, um, these uh, 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 like our swim trunks, and we get our, our nice little jacket that we put on, and uh, we're, we're about to, you know, get ready to go to the spa. And a tornado touches down at Blue Mountain, of all places. And uh, so the power goes out. There's this tornado and rain, and you see branches and trees falling down and, and all this stuff. And so because the power has been out for a certain amount of time, they send you home. 
in a tornado. Makes sense. Um, but anyways, so this tornado touches down, and they're like, sorry, Mr. Clark, like we're, we're not able to do the spa today for you because of this tornado. And I looked at them, and I was like, fine, but I'm taking the house coat with me, right? <laughs> Ugh. And so I wanted that so bad. I was convinced that that day we'd be able to, to, to go to the spa and everything would work out. We were confident about it. But it didn't end up happening. And in many ways, that's what arrogance is like. If you think about it, it doesn't consider outside factors, especially when it comes to God, as, as we've just read in the, in the book of James. In fact, arrogance undermines confidence in God. Arrogance undermines confidence in God. It actually says, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do, so this is what I'm going to do. Have you ever met someone like that? Someone who, who, who had such outspoken confidence. Have you ever noticed that nothing will change their minds? Does anyone have a spouse like that or a, a friend like that? Anyone? No one's raising their hands? Good, good. That outspoken confidence, though, it's actually probably easier to herd a bunch of cats, right, than than to make these people change their minds. And, and so <clears throat> if, you, if they want to do something, they'll do it. They've, they've got it in their minds, and, and they're just set in their ways. And on the surface, it seems fine, <clears throat> but at its core, it neglects the simple truth that there are things in life that are completely out of our control. Right? It neglects the fact that there's things in our lives that are completely out of our control. And it's something we don't like to think about because not having full control over our lives is scary. It, it forces you to reevaluate your life. It, it forces you to look at your purpose in life, the choices you've made, the, the choices you're making today, and the fearful reality of the unknown of tomorrow. And this is why we typically avoid um, <clears throat> thinking about or, or talking about uh, subjects like death or, or God um, when addressing the future. Because when we come face to face with something like death, we have to come to terms with how fragile life really is and accept the false confidence we hold on to for tomorrow for what it really is, which is wishful thinking. Which is why in verse 13, James calls out, uh, or calls us out when he says, today or tomorrow, we will go to this city or that city, spend a year there, carry on our business and make money. Because there's actually no guarantee that this will happen. Especially if we haven't sought God's opinion on the the matter. If you think about it, economies, they go up and down. We see it in the housing market, right? Just in, in the last six months, we see houses that are dropping over 100,000 or more, right? We see economies go up and down. We, we see empires rise and fall. We see businesses succeed and then fail. We see the dollar and stocks go up and down. There's no guarantee about 
tomorrow. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to preach and be like a Debbie Downer to you guys. Um, It's good for us to have goals. It's good for us to have goals in life. But goals can disappoint us if we leave God out of them. Our Our goals can disappoint us if we leave God out of them. We can't make plans as though we have complete control over the outcome, as if God doesn't even exist. Remember that song, he's got the whole world in his hands, right? He's got the whole, he's got the itty bitty bitty. I remember listening to that song, and uh, like as a child, I love corn pops, right? And I would just like hold it in my hand like God and just be like, right, and crush it. I'd make a terrible God, okay? Um, but remembering that God holds us in his hands. So here's an example for you of good planning. This is an example of good planning for you. It's when we ask, what would I like to be doing in five years? Five years from now. Um, What do I want to do tomorrow or for the rest of my life? And most importantly, the best planning or the best question we can ask ourselves is this. How will I react if God intervenes and rearranges or even changes my plans. How will I react if God does that? You see, it's good to plan ahead, but we must hold on to it loosely. And truth be told, if we actually started putting God's will and and his desires at the center of our planning, we would never be disappointed with the outcome. We'd never be disappointed. When I I think of disappointment, I think of the story of of Moses who led the Israelites out of Egypt. We would would look at that story and and how he led the people out of Egypt and and he's leading this massive group of of Israelites to the promised land. And and suddenly out of a moment of uh, disobedience, God doesn't let him go into the promised land. And a lot of us will read that story and say, oh, how disappointing, or, or how harsh. God is, is so harsh. He went all that way to come just shy of the finish line. But I'll be honest with you today, when it comes to disappointment, I actually don't think that Moses was disappointed about the outcome. I think he actually got his promised land. Because the thing that he desired most, the outcome that he wanted the most, was to be in the presence of God. That was his favorite place to be. And he got that. And and I actually think that that's what God desires for each one of us. God desires that we would truly get the desires of our hearts. Not like the surface level stuff where... You know, it's, it's oh, I want this car or this, but, but like inside your core, that truthful, that inner thing that will, will give you joy in the morning, that will give you hope and, and happiness and, and a perseverance and, and strength. I think that's what God wants for each and every one of us. And when we experience that, we would never be disappointed about the outcome. That's a lot different than uh, when we compare to the person who built their house on the sand. Matthew 7 talks about this. When, When Jesus gave this parable, he said, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice 
is like a man, uh, a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rains came and his house fell with a great crash. Even though this person who built his house on sand was, was told what to do, they still opted out of listening. And what ended up happening is they were severely disappointed with the outcome. And I think that's what arrogance does if we apply it to our lives. Arrogance undermines the confidence we need to have in God. Arrogance also ignores the uncertainty in life. Arrogance ignores the uncertainty in life. It's, it's a false sound, uh, foundation. I think of uh, James 4, where he reminds us that we don't, we don't even know what will happen tomorrow. James asks, he asks us, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. So you need to start thinking and, and saying, if it is the Lord's will, we will do this or we will do that. Proverbs 27.1 says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring. Now, I am, I am 33 years old. So say this is my life right here. I am 33 years old. Uh, men typically live to about 80, okay? So if this represents my life, right? So I've lived about a third of my life, right? So we've got there. And... I like bacon, so that eliminates that, and I really like popsicles. Um, so there's not a whole lot of life left in me, right? And that's assuming I make it to 80, right? Especially eating bacon, right? I don't know about tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow. Uh, I, I, I don't know what will happen. I can't boast about tomorrow because I don't know if I'll be here. But here's what I do know. I can make the most of today. Because I'm here today. I'm here with you today. I can do this in how I live. I can do this in how I love. And how I treat one another. We can't boast about tomorrow but we have today. And how you live, how you love today, and how you treat one another today matters. And you can do it today. We don't confess to know the first thing about tomorrow. Tomorrow can send you for a loop. You can start off having a great day, and then by the end of the day, it's a terrible day. You know, we, we just don't know. Everything can start or end tomorrow. We just don't know. But what we do know is that if God wills it, and we're still here tomorrow, we can live out our best life. We can live out our best life, loving God and loving each other. You know, acknowledging the uncertainty of tomorrow helps us to be careful about what endeavors, what journeys uh, we strive for today. 
and the motives that we have behind these endeavors that we, we, we spend hours and days upon. These are things that we can exhaust ourselves to acquire all the time that should never hold such a priority in our lives. Things, things like wealth, things like possession and fame, all these things are simply this. They're temporary. That is what they are. Ecclesiastes 5 says, we all come to the end of our lives as naked and empty. Personally, I, I hope that when I'm put in a, casti- a casket, I'll be fully clothed. Uh, um, but my wife can decide that. Um, I would request that I be clothed. But right, we, we come into this world naked and we leave this world. We, the Bible actually says that we can't take anything with us. I have some of you shaking your head at me at that naked comment. Just relax, people. Relax. (laughs) It's true, right? I just hope it won't be an open casket. That's all I'm saying. Okay. But we don't get to take any of these riches with us. So why make them a stumbling block for us? If I don't get to bring anything with me, why make it a stumbling block? Anyone remember Jenga? Remember Jenga. So life is, is like Jenga. We've, we've got this, these sets of things here. Money, health, you can have children up there, hobbies, success, status, power, fame, all these different things. Let me ask you a question today. Which block in your life would cause you to stumble if it was removed? Which one, uh, uh, which one have you put uh, so much confidence up here? Which one have you put so much confidence in that if removed, it would make you fall, it would make you stumble? One of my favorite authors, uh, he wrote a book called The Screwtape Letters. And uh, it portrays a typical human life with all its temptations and failings, seen from the devil's viewpoint. In one of the chapters, the the devils are actually gathering together um, to meet because they've seen an an increase in in humanity coming to accept uh, God into their lives. And so they're gathering together to discuss what they can do to tempt humanity, to, to prevent this from going any further. And, and one of the devils speaks up and suggests, we tell them there's no God. But the main devil disagrees because he says, just look around you. Look outside. Look at nature. Look at how people are wired. Everyone in their inner hearts, in the deepest parts of their lives, know that that's not true. There's a God. The second devil says, I'll tell them there's no such thing as evil. And the, the devil speaks up again and he says, everyone can see around them that there's evil and that there's wrong in the world. So the third one speaks up and says, I'll tell them church is not cool and it's irrelevant. The devil laughs and he says, ha, people already think that. You're too late in the game. Finally, the last devil speaks up and he says, I've got it. I will tell them They've got all the time in the world to make a decision. 
I'll tell them they've got all the time to make a decision. The devil looks at the other one and says, that's it. Go ahead. Go out and tell them this. And the truth is, for us, that life is short no matter how long you live. Life is short. We can't continue to allow ourselves to be deceived in thinking we have all the time in the world to live for Christ, to, to enjoy time spent with our loved ones, um, and to do what we know we should do. We need to live for God today. We need to love today. We need to do what we know is good today. Then no matter what, uh, when our life ends, you will have fulfilled God's plan for you. That kind of living, it actually reminds me, and I've, I've told you his story before, but it reminds me of my friend Jason, who passed away really young in his 20s. And um, I remember um, how he, he just literally lived out to the fullest um, uh, just a love for God and a love for people. And, and he gave his whole heart to it. You know, just sharing the good news to people about Jesus. And I, I, I remember hearing the story from his friend Lance, who uh, they were playing uh, in a tournament, a beach volleyball tournament, when Jason collapsed. And Lance runs over to Jason, and he's holding him as, as Jason is going off to eternity. And Lance months later, shares this story about us. He was crying, and he's holding Jason in the sand. And he said the strangest thing happened when he, when, when he, he died. Is he, he looks at me, and he smiled. And then he closed his eyes and died. And, and, and Lance said, I didn't understand in the moment why he smiled. I wasn't a Christian at the time. I, I wasn't serving God. Jason had tried to tell me about Jesus all the time, but I threw it away. I, I, I didn't care to know. And then, and then I saw through Jason's life, and at the funeral, there were, there were literally tons and tons of people who gave their life to Jesus for the first time because of what Jason did. And then I realized in that moment why Jason was smiling when he died. He was smiling because he fulfilled his life purpose. And he wasn't disappointed with the outcome, even though he died too soon. He wasn't disappointed. And I think he knew that I was going to give my life to Christ too. And he died smiling. He, he fought the good fight. He, he finished the race. He received that prize, which is Christ Jesus, which is being in the presence of Jesus. Uh, John Foreman from one of the bands that I really, really appreciate and like, Switchfoot, um, he penned this line in one of his songs. He said, life is short, I want to live it well. Life is short, I want to live it well. How do we live it well? We do it by putting our confidence in God, by putting our hope in God, by putting our life in God's hands. He's, he's the only one we're living for. You see, true confidence is trusting in God's plan 
whatever and whenever the outcome happens. James 4.15 says, You ought to say, If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. This is actually the healthy mindset that we need to have every day. Because in the end, the Bible says that many are the plans of a person's heart. But it's the Lord. It's the Lord's purpose that prevails. In other words, man proposes, but God disposes. Man proposes, God disposes. I can make plans, but it's God who arranges them. And if I'm not careful, I can, I can have wrong assumptions to the outcome of my choices. So our responsibility in life is this. To intentionally choose to walk in humility and trust in God's plan. When everything falls apart, our confidence in God will actually sustain us. So we need to use wisely the time that we have. David in the Bible, he asked, he said, he said, uh, help me and teach me to number my days that, that I would gain, that we would gain wisdom from it. To know that we don't have that much time on this earth. So give me wisdom so I know how to live it wisely, to live it well. I love how James 4.17 concludes. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. You know, we tend to think that when we're doing wrong, it's a sin. But, but the truth is, James reminds us that sin is also not doing something right. It's, it's like uh, we know it's a sin to lie. But you know what? It's, it's also a sin to know the truth and not to speak the truth. In that same way, simply avoiding something doesn't make it right. I love what the uh, philosopher Edmund Burke once said. He said, the only way for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. The only way for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. In, in Germany, in, in World War II, um, as you know, the, the Holocaust was going on at that time. And, and uh, these trains would go by these homes and they would, they would go by these homes, leading them to, to places like Auschwitz and these other concentration camps. And what would happen is, is as these trains were passing, people would be screaming and crying out for help. And these villages, as these, as these trains would pass by, when, when the trains would come by and they'd hear the screams, the, the people, the townspeople, and even the churches would say, talk louder, drown out the sound, or, or in church, sing louder and drown out the sound. Men, fathers, Mothers, women, children, church, we need to start doing something. There is a sound being echoed in our city, in our town, in our country, in the world that is crying out for someone to do something. Confidence in our own plans inevitably falls short in time. 
where his confidence in an eternal God stands the test of time. It's time we draw confidence from God. It's time to trust in Him and His plan, to put Him at the center of our lives. I believe, I actually believe that there are people in this room that if today you made a decision to follow God's plan for your life instead of your own, if you trusted in God's plan, that you would be one of those people, you would be one of those somebodies that would make a difference in Milton, that would make a difference in Ontario, that would literally make a difference in Canada and the worlds around us if we would just cling to God's plan. You know, God has a funny way of using average people, average everyday people, to do extraordinarily incredible things. I think of myself in, in, in that I, in school, teachers didn't know what to do with me. I was terrible at English. I was terrible at school. And here I am accepting God's call for my life and his plan, and I'm writing an essay every week. What, what, what the heck, right? Like, and, and I bet there's stories that you have where when you accepted God's plan, you started doing things that you never thought in your life that you would ever do. Places you went that you would never thought you would ever go because you accepted God's plan. With every head bowed, let me ask you this question. Where is your confidence today? Is it in God? Or in your own resources and your own efforts? What is that one thing you are holding on to that you hope will be of value value to you in the future that you haven't given over to God yet? Let me say this. It's time. It's time to surrender our lives to God and watch as he breaks new ground in our lives. If you want that new start today, the incredible thing about our God is he says if we just come before him humbly and and repent or or, or ask of him that we get a fresh start, We got a new life. And so I want to pray for you today, if that's you, where you've put your confidence in in your own plans and in in your own desires. And and today you're wanting to put your confidence in God. I want to pray for you today. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, thank you, God, that, uh, Lord, when we are weak, you are strong. God, that you are a God of love, grace and mercy and God you are so kind you are so kind and I I just pray for for anyone here who's wanting a a a new start a fresh start I pray Lord that that uh, Lord you would just even in this moment now start to remove 
Lord, any of those desires that aren't a part of, of your will for them, your, your desire for them, and God, that you would start to, to pour in, to implement, to, to bring light to new wine, as this song says, new dreams, new passions, new desires, new hopes, Lord, and, and new plans for their lives. Lord, that they would be so encouraged and strengthened and energized by this new that you put in them right now, that they would go out and do, and that they would live their best life. Lord, life is short. We want to live it well for you. So we give it over to you. We thank you. Bless us as we go and all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.